Cool. Okay, I need to keep this together, guys. This is my fault. All right, Kate's doing great. You can edit this, right? Maybe. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to the Happy Project Podcast. I am Becky White, and I'm the host here. We usually have Jay in the studio with us. I don't know if you can tell, we've got a couple different other sounds because we're actually not in a studio. We're recording from a house today at a home mic. Uh, so that's why it sounds a little bit differently, and that's why Jay is actually not here. But for our listeners joining in for the first time here on the podcast, we talk about not only the half Korean experience, but we also discuss culture, being second gen, or adopted social aspects of racial differences, and what it looks like to live as a mixed culture person. I am trying to keep this together because we have two very special guests in the studio. Introducing my little sister Tori. Hi. And her friend Kate. Hello. Hi guys. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> okay. I would like to say hello. Welcome. How are you guys doing? Good. Yeah, good. <laughs> I've never done this before. Yeah, my t- my first time too. Oh, Tori, you never did a podcast? Never done a podcast. I thought you did a podcast with your friend. I did music for it. Oh, okay. Okay, Tori's a musician, by the way, guys, if you are curious. Mm-hmm. And over here, Kate. Hi, how are you, Kate? Tell Good. us a little bit about yourself. Good. Um, I am like you guys, uh, half Korean, half mm-hmm. uh, American, oh. and I recently had a daughter who is now a quarter Korean. So I guess I have. I'm so sorry, Kate. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Tori just said, "Good," like really quietly. <laughs> Well, guys, this is actually coming out. This is our New Year's episode. We had our last episode that went out on the 29th. That was our last episode for 2019. Congratulations, you guys are our 2020 episode guest. Yay! Yay! Claps, claps, claps. <laughs> what do you want to do for 2020? Say, how about we share our New Year's resolutions? How about that? Let's have Kate first. Oh, I haven't even thought about New Year's resolutions. Um, I've been too busy taking care of my... A four and a half month old daughter and I go back to work soon so really my resolution is just sort of keep it together and survive that's admirable honestly yeah she's four and a half months mm-hmm. yeah she's very I don't know if feisty is the word feisty is a feisty, word yeah I mean it is a word but I don't know if I describe her as feisty she can be what Fussy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she can be fussy. That's for sure. Willful. Okay, Willful. so your 2020 resolution is keep things together. And work out. And work out. Oh, that's yeah, that's way. probably I think really that's a but you, resolution. That's, that's popular. You lose a lot of weight after get, having a baby, right? Though, if you're breastfeeding. This is what I heard. Eventually, uh, it hasn't quite kicked in yet. But I want, I want to go further than that. I want to actually build a foundational fitness habit. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like what? You used to run marathons. Half marathons. Half marathons. Yeah. Getting into some more group fitness programs would be nice. Oh, like strength, I think. Have you done Zumba? I have done it once. It was great. I was off at it. Yeah. But I had a good time. Yeah, Zumba's fun. Mm -hmm. Have you done Zumba, Tori? Nope. You never tried? I don't want to. Oh. Okay, what's your 2020 resolutions? I haven't thought about it. You don't have any at all? Mm Mm-mm. Mm, Mm, okay. Getting... Shopping? Shopping? Okay, 2020 resolution yeah. is to get a new job. That's what I was whispering Someone hired me. Oh, okay. Get a job. Yeah, um, that's what shop. she was saying. Not shop. Okay. Yeah. That's a better resolution. That's actually a great resolution, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my resolution for 2020? I don't know. I have a lot. I want to read a lot of books and practice languages better, I think. So, French books? Korean books? Probably all French, mm-hmm. Korean. Definitely not Chinese yet. I'm not at that level, but at some point. Okay, 
Well, all of this roundabout to say, and you kind of already brought it up, Kate, talking about your daughter. And uh, let's just call her A. How about A? Okay. Sure. Your daughter A. So A is four and a half months. And you mentioned, so Kate's half Korean. Actually, all of us are half Korean. And your husband is American. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, because we have some people who ask us when they, people say culture is taught. It's not really carried through genetics, right? So you would say your DNA or ethnicity can be carried through genetics, but not culture. And so something that I was curious, and I'm generally curious about this, how do you think for A, do you think you're going to be putting a lot of Korean influence in the way you're bringing her up? As in like food or even just learning language or learning culture aspects about her grandmother, let's say your mom. Um, that's a really good question and one that I haven't thought too hard about. Um, so I know with things like, I, I don't think I'm going to like deliberately do a lot other than do the things that I enjoy. So like the kinds of Korean food that I enjoy eating, you know, I'm going to cook and introduce to her. Um, the things that we'll do together with her, with my mom, her harmony, I think will be a way for her to experience her Korean culture. Um, but, you know, I don't speak Korean, so I don't really see myself being very successful in, for instance, uh, teaching her to speak Korean. Um, I, I will certainly introduce her to sort of the Korean dramas and, and um, the history and, and the things that I know, but I think that will just be a natural outpouring of the things that I want to share with her uh, about any interest. Um, maybe I should do something more deliberately, um, and I'm sure down the line I'll probably feel that um, feeling of wanting her to be connected. I'm sure as, as my relationship with my own mom continues to develop and as she gets older, I, I suspect at some point that will be uh, sort of a void that I'll feel like I'll want to fill with, mm. with A. Um, but I haven't thought too hard about it right now. I think also it will depend on what her inclinations are. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, if she starts, of course, wanting to know more about her heritage and wanting to know more about how many in her life, um, I would certainly support her in helping her connect more with that background. oh you really would mm -hmm. so say if a when she gets older she wants to move to korea and she just wants to live there and you know spend her life there in korea even though you've never actually lived in korea for a long period of time except mm -hmm. when you're really young um would that be something that you'd be really supportive of sure sure i mean i i think living in any country other countries is sort of a really great life experience and i have no problems with that and i think that would be really great. And I also um, feel like Korea at that time down the road will probably be more of a, a culture that's welcoming of, of um, halfies and, and people who are part Korean and maybe not Korean at all. So like I see it being a really great place to go in, a couple of, in, in that time, what, 20 years from now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're born in the 80s and you lived in Korea when you were younger. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember anything from no, that time, no, do you? No. you I, I moved away before I was even one yeah. just shy of one yeah so I really don't just things I've seen in pictures and, and videos mm -hmm. and then I, I have visited twice um as a young child and then as an adult but mm -hmm. 
you know, just short visits, not really enough to really get. Did you like it when you, when you went to Korea? I did. I liked it much you more went, as an adult. You went just last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just one year ago, right? Mm-hmm. I love that that trip. That was that was wonderful. As a young child, I think I was like five when I went. Um, that was a lot of shock, and you're too young to understand why things are different and and how to process the differences. So I think then that was just a lot of unfamiliarity. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back as an adult was a fantastic experience. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel like you? because you mentioned that you don't speak Korean at mm-hmm. least not fluently mm-hmm. um, and I I know that you had some experiences with like language schools Korean language school for example I know I did I know Tori did actually a lot of half Koreans no matter around the world have always had Korean language school and it's always Saturday morning weirdly <laughs> enough it doesn't matter where you're from mm-hmm. it's so funny um, but do you ever feel let's say I don't I don't want to use the word regret because it sounds very strong and too bittersweet. But do you ever wish that you had delved more into Korean language or culture growing up or had been more exposed to it? Um, yeah, actually, this is weighed very strongly on me. I think this is something that my mom really wishes I had done better. And for a long time, I did think I carried a lot of guilt that, that maybe it was a lack on my part and lack of effort. But now being an adult and learning, knowing more about how to learn languages, I don't really think there's anything else I could have done. Mm. I think it's very difficult, um, especially in America, to teach yeah. someone a second language fluently. Um, and it requires a lot of immersion and a lot of hard work on both parents' parts. Mm-mm. And um, especially in a, in a happy environment, um, in a cross-cultural marriage, um, more often than not, I don't think that's successful. I feel like it's mm. kind of rare. To be honest, when I meet, I meet uh, even with Kyopos, you know, people who are fully Korean, but they are born and then they mm-hmm. live overseas mm-hmm. outside of Korea. There's a lot of cases where they don't speak Korean, even though both of their parents might speak Korean originally, be their first language. And I think even in the case of mixed marriage homes, it's even harder. Yeah, you basically have to speak it all the time at home mm-hmm. and then even more like among your social group mm. um, is because as soon as they go to school they could speak it exclusively at home until they go to like kindergarten or school as soon as they hit school almost everybody like loses that, that yeah. initial language um, the only community in the u.s well i guess the hispanic community is pretty good at it and also the vietnamese community mm-hmm. they are very good at it because they only speak vietnamese and they kind of always have like, like lots of friends right? they have a very strong community to the point where a lot of the vietnamese i know that have been born and grown up in the U.S. They actually even have a Vietnamese accent when they speak mm-hmm. English, even though English is kind of supposed to be their first mm-hmm. um, language. That's how strong their community is. So yes, in that kind of immersive environment, I see it working out, but that's a really difficult thing to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially, uh, okay, let's say, so I'm talking about in the case of me and Tori, right, with our mom. Um, we had Korean communities kind of growing up, right? Mom had her friends, for example, and then they had their kids and we kind of have to be friends with them, you know, but that necess- that wasn't really like a, a community, I'd say, at least for mm-hmm. us, you mm-hmm. know, even in the case too with us, because we moved around a lot. And so it wasn't like you had one place that you could always go to or one church where you would always have your group of friends where you'd hang with and you could, you know, speak Korean or hear Korean. It was just mm-hmm. kind of like we were dragged from here to there. And this is just kind of a result of these military families. And oftentimes with mixed homes, it is Korean military with you know, U.S. military. Mm-hmm. Um, for your case, Kate, did you have any community kind of in school or were you ever drawn to making Korean friends? Was this even on your radar? Not really. I don't think I went to a lot of schools that had um, other Korean groups. And it wasn't until high school, I think, when I did. And in high school, 
um, it was it was a uh, kind of interesting because then all the Asian groups actually kind of hung out together and they kind of created mm-hmm. their own little Asian club thing going on. And by that point, like I, I think I felt so far removed from that that it wasn't really a part of my identity, and mm-hmm. so it wasn't super participatory in, in that kind of group. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I think I missed the boat on that one. Mm. When people see you, do they think you're Korean? Oh yes, if they're if yeah? they're yes, if they're not Korean, they absolutely do. Or well, not Korean necessarily, but know like they can Asian tell you're or Asian. something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I went to my college actually had an exchange uh, program with a school in Korea, and so we had a lot of Korean students, and they never thought I was Korean. Mm, they never did. And I've worked with uh, coworkers since then, and, and they also don't think I'm Korean. And even when, and the interesting part is even when I do say that I'm Korean and and kind of share some of my experiences. I know they don't really consider me Korean at all. Mm-hmm. Just, I seem so Americanized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a kind of funny case, especially with uh, people who look very mixed, especially in our case. You'll see people who are white or who are non-Korean will be like, oh, you're Korean, you're Korean, you're Asian. But then when you go visit Korea, like in mm-hmm. my case, or even in Tori's case, or all of us, right? Um, people don't think you're Korean. And it's like you have to prove something. And especially if you speak the language well, that somehow gives you like, and in you know quote unquote for tori's case um i you know i think it's been a little bit different because in kate's generation uh there were far less halfies in kate's generation in tori's case i feel like there are more mixed koreans now at your age do you feel that's true i mean you're a couple years younger than me yeah i mean a little bit but um I feel I felt like it, it depended on like what geographic area we were in. Mm. So growing up in Colorado, there weren't any halfies, mm-hmm. but in Seattle there were a lot. Um, I think most were from Hawaii, so there's like this Hawaiian culture associated with it. So if I told anyone that I was halfie, they automatically assumed I was Hawaiian. Oh, really? oh yeah. wow! Okay. Yeah, but that was only in Seattle because we're really close to Hawaii. But yeah. yeah, I haven't found very many here in Virginia either. Yeah. So yeah. It, I feel like there aren't that many. Honestly, I even here in the States, uh, living in Colorado or California, even in California, right? Or California or Virginia, whatever, mm-hmm. um, my university, I rarely met people who were half Korean. Mm-hmm. I Very, very few. I can count just on one hand. But when I went to Korea, now that I've been living in Korea for, what, six years? I've met more half Koreans I ever had in the whole span of my life in the US. And I feel like many of them went to Korea with a very similar mindset that I had. Kind of like, oh, very curious about the quote unquote mother mother country, right? Mm-hmm. So did you ever feel that way, Tori? Did you ever feel like you wanted to meet more half Koreans? Did you ever feel like, where where are they? <laughs> or did, they, did you even think about that? No, because I think there's like a sort of thing that halfies do where once they're in American culture, mm. they just fit into the American culture. And then once you find like, you know, Korean people, you fit into fit with Korean people. And so mm-hmm. I always found my crew wherever I was. Mm-mm. I just could and enculturate myself mm. no matter where. So you could just blend in on either side. Yeah. So I never felt like I was missing anything. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I could just fit in wherever. So yeah. yeah, that is honestly a really good thing about being mixed too. I think part of this, correct me if I'm wrong, some people seem to find that kind of a curse, you know, like I don't fit in anywhere. And then you have some people who use it to their advantage Mm -hmm. and they can belong anywhere that they choose. Do you think that halfies have a, maybe a sixth sense when it comes to fitting in to different places? 
this is something at least okay so let me just say in my own case when i meet people from different cultures or different countries or even different we don't even speak the same language i find myself more able to connect than say people who are not mixed right or people who just come from one singular culture or background do you find this to be a case with you guys um, not on a social personal level, um, but in the professional workplace, I actually work with um, a lot of people from different countries mm. and I have to travel for work and, and interface with people from other companies in other countries. And I've noticed that I do have greater sensitivity, especially in the Asia Pacific region, um, than many of my other coworkers. And, and I have found myself being the person more likely to build those professional connections and be the point of contact and the bridge mm-hmm. just because I will understand a little bit of where they're coming from, mm-hmm. their approach to business, their approach to communication, mm-hmm. whereas my you know more typical American boisterous kind of direct co-workers uh, won't really understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't say my understanding is perfect by any means, mm-hmm. but I have noticed that I do have a little bit more of a sensitivity than mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, that makes sense. Tori, when you visited Korea, when, did, when was that? That was... Three years ago? Was it three years already? It was a long yeah, time yeah, ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. So far, so long ago. Uh, okay, so you stayed with me during that time mm-hmm. when we were in Korea. And to be honest, I was I living in that like basement room? It was, yeah. Yeah, I was Never living in like a basement room. It was... Barely a window. It was miserable. Miserable. It was like a half basement room. Like light never came in. The ceiling was quite low. It was very dark. So I can't blame you, Tori, for feeling kind of depressed. It was a summer you stayed with me, right? You stayed for the whole summer. summer. What did you do during that time? What were you doing? So I mostly stayed inside the house and tried to go to a coffee shop whenever I could to Mm -hmm. study Korean quotations. Mm -hmm. And um, I had had friends who came for a few days and I hung out with them. For Mm -hmm. the most part, I went to Hagwon and took some classes, but it didn't take up most of my time. So Mm -hmm. I would just try and walk around, do cheap things, see some sites, try not to get lost because uh-huh. I could only use Wi-Fi, but uh-uh. you know, Wi-Fi is pretty good there. So I wasn't lost too that many That was times. kind of a sad summer, honestly. Yeah, was like when sad. I think back, she was so sad, but everyone was really nice. Like, it was yeah. really nice. Yeah, people were nice. Yeah. Like we met people at like the coffee shops uh-huh. who would be nice to us. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. So how was that for you? That was your first experience being in Korea, kind of like by yourself, because I was working. So I rarely spent time with Tori. And you just kind of did your own thing for literally three months. Yeah. And what was that like? Um, It was pretty hard not being able to like speak the language Mm -hmm. and wanting to speak the language and feeling like I should have spoken the language beforehand. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah, because I was there to take Korean classes Mm -hmm. and learn Korean and I didn't learn very much. Mm -hmm. But I didn't like... That, to be honest, that was, like, my fault. I didn't, like, throw myself into culture, and I didn't, you know... It's hard. Yeah. I mean, one... I don't know. This is something that I felt, too, in Korea. And maybe... Kate, maybe you'll feel it or not. But when... Especially with it, with its Korea. Like, in my case, if I go to a different country, I don't have a problem trying to get part of that culture. Like, when I visited Uzbekistan, I just wanted to learn Russian. I just wanted to talk to people. I wasn't afraid of making mistakes. It was just like, whatever, you know, I'm the foreigner here. I want to learn, blah, blah, blah. But in Korea, it's different for some reason, at least for me personally. I feel almost like a sense of guilt or shame. Like, if I can't learn this language well, or I should be able to speak Korean well, and I can't communicate well. And so then I kind of lock up even more. This was, for me, my learning experience. What was that like for you, Tori? Was Is that something... 
Because you mentioned like you felt like I should be able to speak this language. Yeah. So one of my first experiences, so it was probably maybe the second day mm-hmm. I came mm-hmm. and I had taken the bus and I had gotten lost coming back home. Um, and so I got off early and I knew I was near the house, but I didn't know what direction I should go to. Mm-hmm. I knew the name of the church that was nearby. And so I saw this older gentleman, an older grandpa, and he and I walked up to him. And um, I tried to ask him for directions, and but my crayon was so bad, like he couldn't understand. And so mm-hmm. he got mad at me for oh yeah, and so that, oh that that's was my, weird yeah, because like he he knew I w- I couldn't speak Korean, huh. and he, he was just you know this is a foreigner, and I mean huh. we weren't living in the city mm-hmm. directly, right? right, right so right, right. we were kind of the outskirts, but yeah, that was my you know second day there, and I was like oh man, I feel bad for not hmm. not being able to speak his language. Mm-hmm. It's his country. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very strange to think that he got upset about it, honestly. Yeah. You didn't tell me that. Yeah. I didn't know that Haro was yelled at you on the street. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I'll find my own way. <laughs> that's really discouraging, yeah. honestly. Yeah. So, okay, Kate, what about you? Your language learning, have you had any time where you had to learn Korean? Or did you ever feel obligated to learn Korean? <clears throat> um, I know, I mean, aside from just the Korean classes growing up, when I was there in Korea last year... Um, I did want to learn, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I can um, sort of read Hangul a little bit. So, like, I would try to sound things out. Um, but, yeah, I do have the same hesitation about trying to speak it. I, I know every language learner does, and it's yeah. the greatest barrier, right? You have to practice. You have to speak and interact. That's what builds the neural pathways and everything. Um, but it, it's a really hard thing to do, especially as an adult, and especially similar to what Tori was saying, like, feeling this expectation that I should already know it. Or um, if people find out that I'm Korean, that maybe it'll be shame on my mom or shame mm-hmm, on me um, mm-hmm. for not having learned, um, which which is a hard thing to sort of process and deal with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel that very somewhere inside them. A lot of times when I meet, and again, the pool of halfies that I'm meeting in Korea, I think are quite unique in the aspect that they decided to pick up their lives and move to one of their parents' country. Korea to learn more or study more because they felt a particular draw. So maybe in that sense, they feel a little more keenly, but I've always noticed this kind of mindset to the Korean language when I meet half Koreans in Korea. So honestly, I'm not that surprised that we all kind of feel that at some point or the other, right? So people are always asking me, hey, Becky, would you want to marry a white guy or a Korean guy? And it's very funny that it always goes to white guy or Korean guys. Like there's no <laughs> other ethnicities that exist out there. Uh, how about for you guys? So Kate, you married a white guy, but for Tori, don't know yet. Um, did that, did that, did anyone ever ask you that? Or was that something you ever thought? Would you have, did you ever think like, you know, maybe I, I would be suited with a Korean guy or maybe I should marry, like, is that ever anything that crossed your mind? I think my mom would say it a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, like she had this, this very wish, wishful thinking uh-huh. that, that I would marry some Korean guy. And uh-huh. it was always jarring whenever she said that because it never, never crossed my mind. Really? Yeah, because I, I mean, internally, I'm just very Americanized. Uh-huh. Like, this Mm-mm. is my uh, home. This is how I've grown up. And uh, it just it never occurred to me yeah. to even to even consider. consider marrying a Korean guy. Yeah. Tori, your mom is that way mm-hmm. because your mom is my mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what does your mom say? Yeah. <laughs> uh, mom, she would tell me always like date a Korean guy, marry a Korean guy. And then I actually dated a Korean guy, right? I dated a Korean guy for a couple years. And then while I was dating him, she'd be like, oh, you need 
to marry an American guy. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't anything against him. I think she just wants to be contrary, honestly. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Tori? Are you, you interested in marrying a Korean guy or dating a Korean guy? Or is that even anything that crosses your mind? The reason I ask this is honestly, like, I didn't even think too much about it. It was just people will always ask me, you know, so I had to wonder about other people, other mixed Koreans. What do you think? Uh, a lot of people don't actually ask me. It's only mom who asks me <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> or tells me. Sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I dated a Korean American. Yeah. His yeah. parents grew up in Korea and he... He's, he's very Korean, Koreanized. Mm-hmm. He goes back to Korea every summer and spends the summer mm-hmm. there. Um, I want someone who is has a mindset that has Korean, uh, a little bit of Koreanness in him. Um, yeah. Or at least an understanding of different cultures. I think it's really mm-hmm. hard to communicate with someone who has no idea mm-hmm. how Korean culture works. Mm-hmm. Just because I know that some of my innate uh, biases or assumptions mm-hmm. about how things work mm-hmm. um, is influenced by Korean culture. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that would be really hard to date someone who's just totally, totally American. Mm-hmm. Or, I, yeah. or somebody who's not even open. Open, yeah. 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 Right, I actually, that is a really good point. Um, I agree with that totally. Because even though I did marry a white guy who had never left the United States before I met him, mm-hmm. it was really important to me that he be exposed to other cultures mm-hmm. and, and travel and understood what parts of me were from my Korean heritage. And so when we went to Korea last year, that was actually an amazing experience because... Mm, that was his as, first time. It was his first... Well, first time in Korea, one of his very few times out of the United States. Yeah. And um, it was me kind of noticing aspects about Korea that have actually been uh, become a part of me in my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit of self-discovery as well as seeing him appreciate uh, different things about Korea. So that was very cool. We were kind of both discovering it together, but also mm-hmm. coming to a better understanding of me and my heritage. Mm-hmm. So that was really important, and it would have been very hard if he wasn't receptive to that. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like like you... How, how, how can I phrase this? Like you, you said you went to Korea, and you started realizing things about yourself that kind of like looking at a third-person point of view and seeing it on yourself and being mm-hmm. like, oh, that's why I think this way. Oh, mm-hmm. that's why I do this way. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like that when I was learning the language. Like, for example, mom would always say to us, pamokja, right? Mm-hmm. Come eat. Let's eat. Pamokja, which means let's. And when I learned the grammar structure of pamokja, that it was like a lightning bolt that hit me in the head because we grew up hearing pamokja. And we just knew right away innately, oh, it just means let's eat. But when I figured it out, like the bit by bit, that was kind of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that's what it actually means. And that was in a way kind of realizing something about myself that I didn't know was Korean. It was just a thing that that you grew up with, just a thing that you did. Mm -hmm. So I feel like when you get older, you start over or more analyzing yourself and kind of looking more at yourself and becoming a little more self-aware. And in your guys' cases, in Tori and Kate, all of us are over our 20s. And so I think we've had plenty of time and all of us have traveled a bit, have plenty of time to look at ourselves in a little more self-aware kind of point of view. And we've all visited Korea to some extent. Have you guys ever come to some realization or some something you recognized in yourself that you didn't know before which was directly influenced by your korean heritage like let me let's let's give an example 
Tori and I were talking about this, how she used to be embarrassed to open her locker up at school because it used to smell like kimchi because mom would pack her kimchi for lunch. <laughs> I remember also with mom when I said, mom, I can't put kimchi in my locker because it smells so much. She gave me an onion and baking soda <laughs> to put in the locker so that it would eliminate the smell. Right. So little things like that. You grow up thinking, like, ah, oh, it's normal. But then later on, you realize, like, hold on a second. Like, not every American kid grows up like that. Mm-hmm. Did you have those kind of experiences or realizations? Oh, tons, tons. Um, but it wasn't as uh, apparent until after getting married because mm-hmm. then I was spending a lot more time uh, with my husband's family. Yeah. And that really highlighted the differences. Mm. Um, I think I was always aware. I think every cross-cultural person who grows up like in America is always aware of differences like Mm. you just can't help it um but you might not necessarily realize like where they come from or other people I think it was more interesting to for other people to discover that I was different because at school or like in social context I would behave completely American for the most part Mm -hmm. you know it's only when you get closer they come to your house you come to their house Mm -hmm. that they start to realize Mm -hmm. oh you know like Kate isn't completely like me like Mm -hmm. and it's not a good or bad thing it's just sort of like that realization so maybe I always knew that I was somewhat different because of this Mm -hmm. but it's always interesting seeing other people realizing Mm -hmm. what's different about me that is pretty cool yeah what about you Tori um I think it comes out a lot when definitely when I'm interacting with you know other people who aren't Korean Mm -hmm. um but like specifically in hosting um I'm I've become an excellent hoster because in uh, oh, like hosting parties hosting parties oh because yeah there's like the korean yeah, culture is mom's so, like, the best host seriously. yeah super inviting bring a lot of food like mm-hmm. you know host really well mm-hmm. being yeah um take care of everyone um mm-hmm. and be inclusive all right guys i kept you for a very long time but i just have one last question and this was kind of a request from tori's dad my dad our dad saying the positive side of being mixed because to be frank if you look at the history of half koreans it's honestly very very sad like if you look at the roots of it but now things of course are very different and there's no denying that we see the blessings of being mixed and so i kind of wanted to hear from you guys just as the final note what is the one word of encouragement or something good you wanted to share to lots of halfies who are listening to our podcast or even people who are just curious about this experience what is that one good thing that you guys have had out of your own lives that you want to share with other people? Um, I would just say whatever is weird is only weird because it's unfamiliar. Nothing's really mm. actually weird. That's a, that's good, a one. good one. That's really, really good. How about you, Kate? Um, that, that's a really good one. I mean, in the same vein, uh, realizing that people are coming at every sort of belief or thought or perspective um, from a whole history of Um, family backgrounds and culture and and things that have happened in their lives that they don't even necessarily understand and that's that's all what culminates in in their opinion or point of view or or their habit um so recognizing that there's a lot more behind that and Mm -hmm. and and being willing to take the time to look and try to understand sort of the whole um step in their shoes the cliche of stepping in their shoes um I, i think i'm a lot more understanding of the need to do that Mm -mm. and uh, have a little bit more of an advantage in knowing how to take the steps to do that so i think that's helps similar to what tori's saying in in trying to understand the things about people that are weird or different or, or unfamiliar unfortunately we do have to wrap up the episode here but Thank you, Tori breathes a sigh of relief, like, oh, thank God. (laughs) 
holding it together very well. Thank you. Um, yeah, but anyway, guys, happy 2020. That was our first episode of the year. So I just want to thank you guys for joining me today. Uh, thank you, Tori. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done this. <laughs> and thank you, Kate, for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great yeah. experience. Yeah, it was really great to have you guys here. And uh, Jay will be in the studio with us next week. Thank you guys for tuning in. You can always get our podcast anywhere you get your podcast. That's Stitcher, Google, Apple, iTunes. You can check out our website, happyproject.com. And we also have the YouTube channel if you're interested in more stories or mini documentaries like this under the same name the happy project <laughs> and we also have our instagram where you can see more photos and stories there also at the happy project if you guys have any listener mail or any questions that you'd like to send us you can send us at the happy project at gmail.com thanks you guys for tuning in we are the happy project bye <laughs> <laughs>